What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster, and uh, I'm having a good day, man. <laughs> I had a great, I've had a couple of great days. I've had a couple of great days, too. Um, I saw you at Anthrax last night in San Antonio, Anthrax, Exodus, and Black Label Society. That Unbelievable, was Bill. Can we talk about that, Bill? Oh, my God, there's not a better show. I'm going to, I can't, right now, I'm so clouded with awesomeness from that billing. I can't <laughs> imagine another, a show that's going to be better than that. It was really great. I mean, uh, all three bands delivered. Anthrax, uh, I thought, played everything you want to hear from Anthrax. They, uh, they, they were high energy as they always are, uh, loved the black label set, loved the Exodus set. And it apparently was apparently I was name checked and I missed it. You were name checked. Me and my son Dash looked at each other like, what did he just say? I didn't Scott, hear shit. Scott Ian was on the mic and he said in between songs, he says, I'm trying to think of the last time that Anthrax was in Texas. It had, it I'm had, it, was it before only? Uh, it was before only right before only because that's I heard like Scott on the mic got rah, 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 but I'm over yeah. on the side and they have in ears and I don't I can't understand. He it. was on the mic a few times last night, but he said he was talking in between songs and he says, I'm trying to remember the last the first time Anthrax was in Texas. And he said, I'll probably get this wrong, but Jason McMaster can correct me. I want to say it was 1986 that's at a place right. called Cardi's with a band called Pantera opening for us. Uh, and when he said your name on the mic, me and my son looked at each other and went, what? Did you hear that? <laughs> that was 86. Uh, Watchtower opened, Watchtower and Hellstar, I believe it was, opened the show in Austin at the Ritz Theater. I have the, I have the flyer. Uh and I would imagine, I don't know, there was a Cardi's in Houston at the time. Mm -hmm. There was a Cardi's here. I don't know there being a Cardi's in the DFW Arlington area. I think he I, mentioned Houston. Okay, well, Houston, if, if Pantera opened for them at Cardi's, that would have been in Houston. But I feel like it, it could have, should have, would have been only slight confusion on the map uh, that it would have been maybe a place called uh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. Savvy's, which kind of when in, after a few Budweiser's, it sounds Found like parties. Savvy's S A V V Y S Savvy's in Fort Worth. And that's where I feel like uh, listeners correct me, use your Google powers and find the first tour of anthrax, uh, in 86, Texas. spreading yeah. the disease tour and look at the Texas dates. And So did Scott know you were in, in the house last night? Of course. Yeah, okay, because I know you were you were hanging out with the Black Label Society guys. Well, or... I was there with, with Bobby Landgraf pretty much all day. He was at right. my house at noon. I'm like, fuck, what time? You know, we're going to be literally at the venue for like nine hours. Right. And he was, I, like, I figured... yeah. he was like, yeah, so what? 
I, I like, figured okay. you would have crossed paths uh, at some point because for Scott to name check you in San Antonio, I thought was he he must know you're here. I ran into everybody doing their daily duties. It was breakfast for them. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Zach's eating eggs and Charlie just got in from the airport because he went home for one day. And I was seeing John, I was, you know, Frank was in, in there, uh, Frank and Bobby had never met. And, but Frank uh-huh. is an old friend of Rex and Bobby, uh, mm-hmm. is Rex's base tech. So right. all of the Pantera company and talk because of the Zach and the Charlie connection. Yeah. It's kind of there. And Bobby is this sort of go be go between the two of them. Cause he works. They're kind of his bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Way, roundabout. Right. Well, it was a great show and, and hearing your name on the mic was a, was a surprise. So, well, I mean, uh, I don't need to hear my, my name on the mic, but when you told me that I was like, what, what the fuck, why would yeah. I, it's, yeah. a, if it would have to do with a history lesson about anthrax or a heavy metal band, yeah, he might be right that I can correct him, but I've already said my piece. I think it, I'm going to guess, cause I don't fucking really know Savvy's in Fort Worth, as opposed to the possibility. And it very well could be like, I'm saying Cardi's in Houston, but it would be right. 86, uh, spreading the disease tour. I'm sure our listeners or viewers, uh, will, will Can comment. Look it up. Yeah, well, there's look probably it a website that has every tour date, sure. for every band in the world, but I don't, I don't spend my life online really. So, right. Well, someone let us know. Anyway, the other reason I'm uh, having a great day is uh, not only the afterglow of the Anthrax Black Label Society Exodus gig, but today we are joined on the podcast by Tracy Guns, guitarist for LA Guns. Um, and one of my favorites, uh, we've been doing this podcast for two years. I've been trying to get him on the show every day for those past two years. <laughs> and we finally got him today. Yeah. He's a badass. Um, I, 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 I should probably mention that the first like real tour that I ever did where I'm a, su- a support act was on LA guns, cocked and loaded with dangerous toys and Torah Torah. Torah, Yeah. And we didn't even get to that. I had that on my list of things. It was one of those conversations where we just started rolling and, and, you know, we we're never really on script, so to speak. Oh, that Uh, sucks. But but I do try to have a roadmap so I can, you know, kind of cover as much as we can, but sometimes it just starts in, and the conversation's so great. You just kind of let everything go out the window. But I I do want to ask about that tour. Get your input. I feel like we learned a lot. I feel like we learned a lot. I feel like, uh, in my opinion, when people say, you know, and I, let's say I'm being interviewed by someone and they say, have you ever been treated like shit as an opening band on tour? And I have to go, I have to rack my brain and go, you know, not really. I mean, you get screwed on stage space sometimes. And I've had to sing, you know, o- over standing next to Scott or something, yeah. and, but you know, that's kind of how that goes. It's like, you're, you're a guest. And you, you know, they're not going to like set up and sound check and get everything right and then tear it all down just to make room for you. Right, right. 
counterproductive. Yeah, the clock is productive production. People bought tickets and spend spent money to come see this show. So the show that's part of the show. So if you're a guest, you use what's left over and you the idea is go out and kill. So people remember you, even though you're not the headliner. And I learned that on that very first tour of the LA guns and we were treated great. We, it was great. It was great. And uh, it's good to be able to call Tracy a friend after, you know, I don't know, 40 years. Yeah. And it's it hadn't good been call- 40 years. Okay. 37. And it's oh, good to call 30. him. <laughs> it's good to call him a guest. Finally on the talk louder podcast. We did learn a lot, uh, covered yeah. a lot of ground. He's here today uh, uh, to talk about, the new LA Guns record. It's coming out April 14th. It's called Black Diamonds. This record is crazy. Um, it is the fourth studio album since Tracy and Phil reunited in 2017. If you stop and think about that, it's February right now of 2023. So in less than six years, they've put out four studio albums. There was also a live album and an EP, but four studio albums, uh, they're more prolific than ever. And, uh, that comes out April 14th, hopefully a tour to follow. Well, the uh, single is out. There'll be another single out by the time. Yeah. This yeah. And uh, there should be some videos probably maybe out already. I know there's a lyric video for you betray, which is the yeah. first single off the album. That's out right now. That song and, is fucking uh, nuts. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that they recorded a couple other videos. Ace Von Johnson was a guest on this show recently, and he told us uh, they did one for shattered glass. And I think the title track, of the album. Uh, but regardless, uh, look for the next wave of LA guns, uh, music and video coming your way. Anyway, Tracy guns with us finally on the talk louder podcast. So really quick, um, how I know Jason pull up to our first LA guns gig in Austin. And Jason was in this band called watchtower. And he comes up to me and he's like, he's like, hey, man, I'm this guy, Jason. I'm in this band Watchtower. You know, we kind of sound like Rush. I'm like, whoa. And he plays me this cassette. Like, and we've been friends ever since. That was so long ago, like 30 years ago. <laughs> wow. What, yeah. what gig would that have, where was that at? You weren't playing. You were just hanging. It was at the back room. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Ne- that's another thing I'll never forget. And that was a good thing, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what year would that have been? I so there's some bad things he'll never forget, too, apparently. So I guess that was our first show of our first tour, 88. Yeah, I was already in the toys. I was still, I was moonlighting. I was in 88. Yeah. I was technically, well, no, because no. Because in, uh, I mean, I'm not doubting you. That very well could have happened. I just, if it was 88, though, it would have had to have been like around spring, had to have been fairly early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Because our album came out in January. Oh, okay. And and of 88, I I believe. I I was definitely already working with the toys because. Yeah. We had been covering. Yeah, I think I think you were. You told me you had a new band. We had been covering. We had been covering sex action. So, 
Nice. Yeah. Wow. Nice. The toys. You know, how weird, you know how weird it is to play sex action at 57 years old to women that are, you know, in their mid 40s. This guy sings sport in a Woody. Sport in a Woody, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm fucking 60 and I'm talking about a dick. Yeah. yeah. Hey, my band is named after my dick. So, you know. Right. <laughs> hey, but sport in a Woody really needs to be in a Viagra commercial. There Don't you go. Think. There Come you on, go. That'll, set, that'll set you up for life. Can you be my marketing manager? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, speaking By the of, way, hi, David. Hey, how are you, Tracy? I'm glad Good, you could man. be here today. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, we've been doing this podcast for two years, and I've wanted you on the show since day one. So thank you so much for joining us today. I, I needed you guys to warm up. <laughs> two years is a, is, is a good amount of time yeah well we might not have any technical difficulties today and uh yeah and i think we've got some chemistry after two years so yeah hopefully this will be painless for you um speaking of the back room real quick you are also one of the last national acts to play that venue before it shut down because i saw you there yeah um, and then that week I think it was the venue shut down after 30 some years. So, yeah, I think we might have been the last there. You may have been. Yeah. The yeah. last national act, quite possibly. You, you're you definitely one of the last, if not the last. And I remember being there and uh, there's a photo of me and you together right over that L.A. Guns album in my backdrop you can't really see it because of my camera angle i think they but, tried uh, to get the toys on that bill with guns. i think so too yeah, i remember we were we were unavailable so yeah 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 you didn't you didn't miss much it was it was kind of sad it, it was packed but people were kind of like not sure what the hell was going on remember david it was kind of a weird day yeah, because uh, I think the back room at that point, the word was already out that the club was kind of closing. So attendance was yeah. kind of down gen in, in general. It was kind of yeah. in decline already. Um, but I remember it because I was excited to to see you. And uh, I took a poster off the wall and had you sign it for me. And uh, so, yeah, it was a good day for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, any day I get to play guitar is a good day. Don't get me wrong. Amen just, to that. Yeah. God damn. Amen to that. Yeah. If any day you wake up and like smell rock and roll, it's going to be a good day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Today I woke up and smelled myself. It wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, the day is young. Hopefully that'll well, change. This, yeah. Yeah. Your smell <laughs> equals rock and roll in somebody's life. So that, that's true. That's true. Are you in L.A. or Denmark? I'm in L.A. right now. Okay. Do you still fly back and forth? Or are you still kind of spending time in each place? Or I can't keep up with you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty random. Yeah, I, I fly back and forth all the time. Um, I'm used to it. You know, that's that's the only that's the good part is I'm used to it. It's it's uh, about a ten and a half hour flight average there and back. Yeah, um, but I've done it so many times now that I have my system and my, uh, you know, what do you call that? My routine. So it, it's it's fairly simple and it's worth it. I mean, my pad in Denmark is amazing. The city I live in is amazing, and the people I have a lot of friends there. It's really good. Nice, nice. Let's talk about your album. That's why we woke you up today. Um, you've got a new album coming out, L.A. Guns, Black Diamonds, comes out April 14th. Um, 
Man, you guys have been so prolific lately. Uh, four studio albums in the past, let me do the math, six years? Yeah. Is that right? So four studio. So. Yeah. Four studio albums, I know since 2017, so it's now 2023. Right. Call it six years, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can't uh, keep up. Yeah, I know. I, just yeah, so you know, and, you I, know, it's a lot of work, Tracy. I don't know how you guys do it. Well, you know, that and I did Sunbomb record and I did mm -hmm. this Jack Russell record and I just finished a record with Todd Kearns. I actually wrote and recorded the Todd Kearns record exactly mixed in with the L.A. Guns record. So I wrote wow. 22 songs in one. It's crazy shit. Wow. I, I just think that, you know, the one thing I never really had truly was this kind of freedom, you know, that, that frontiers just, they don't, you know, I mean, they care, but nobody says anything, you know, I just get to write the stuff, get it recorded. And since it's all home recording now, you, you know, there's no pressure and that's all I can do is play guitar. So I'm basically just recording my life. Right. You know, like just, yeah kind of nonstop recording and writing. And I, and we have a really good team. You know, this guy, Mitch Davis writes all the lyrics um, in New York and he actually brings Phil out there and they finish the lyrics and record the, the vocals out there. Adam Hamilton plays the drums and he records the drums at his studio. So we really have a system where I can write something to a click track, send it to Adam. Adam sends me a drum track back literally sometimes in 10 minutes you know, depending on, on what the tune is. I like, and then that. So, I like that ethic. Yeah, it's really, it's really quick, you know, and then once I have a drum track, you know, then it's like going to the playground, right? You know, it's like, it's like ooh, now, now everything changes, you know, yeah. and then I just, it's really inspiring to, to work that way. And I don't have anybody around me. Hey, I think maybe, you know, maybe you should do this. It's like, it's like, Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't have that those moments anymore. Well, the, right. the stream of consciousness, sometimes your gut, the first thing you come up with or the first way that you sort of feel apart, doesn't matter which instrument it is, is usually no. what, you end, what ends up on the fucking record. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's really profound. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, but yeah that's the thing. It's like, I don't second guess. No. You know, if if if... The speakers come back at me and I'm just like, fuck yeah, dude, that's it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, this is great. If I do something that's just kind of like, eh, then I'm like, nah, you know, next, right. you know, and I, I don't have to like fix things, you know? Do you feel like it can be frustrating if uh, another partner comes up with something and sends it to you? Uh, frustrating for anybody. I should just kind of make that generic. Uh, when a part com comes into v into the corral and and let's say there's the two of you who are right making the record it's just been you mm -hmm. know, you're the, you're, the, right. you're the combo the magic combo and then the other partner whoever whatever is is uninspired or not you know you know reacts the way eh, like you did and then you right. move on or is it like sometimes do you get into a situation well where you're part the partner who wrote the part that you're kind of, I'm not feeling it yet. 
right. let, me, let me fuck with it some more or fuck you. I think it's badass. Da, 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 da. Do you, how do you handle that? Uh, I mean, after you work with someone for years and years and years, yeah. such as I mean, that's, case, that's, that's, that's normal. That's the, yeah, it's totally normal. And, you know, throughout the years, Phil and I, you know, we, we wrote mostly everything, even in the old days. There's a couple songs here and there. Mick Cripps provided a lot of riffs on the early stuff. But when it came, when it comes to, you know, this real heady kind of like, hey, I don't write lyrics and hey, I don't write music kind of thing. And you're trying to match stuff up. Phil would just say, you know, I can't write over jazz. You know, that was like his, you know, <laughs> you know, those songs like Magdalene and Malaria. Pretty and, funny. You know, stuff that's a little trickier. You know, he would he would make those comments. You know, when we were young, when we were young. Yeah. Um, but, but when you fast forward now, um, it was interesting, right? When when we got back together and everything came up roses, and, and it's this new beginning in 2017, and we got the deal, and I sent Phil, you know, a plate full of music. I mean, I had all this shit for 12 years sitting around waiting <laughs> to turn to L.A. Guns, right? So. He calls me back a couple of days later. He called me on the phone. People don't use the phone, but he called me. He goes, yeah, I'm so happy right now. I have nothing to write about. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, it's just, I, I don't feel anything except I just want to rock out to the music you're sending me. I'm like, well, I work with this guy, Mitch Davis, Phil. Do you mind if I have him take a swing at it? You know, he's like, oh yeah, you know, let me meet this fellow and blah, 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 blah. And that was it. You know, Phil was off the hook from that day. Just, just, just like they have such a partnership. So with, so really it's Adam and Mitch and me writing and kind of creating everything. And then of course, Ace brings in songs and Johnny brings in songs. And then I take what they give me and then I redo it, you know, like, sure. awesome, you know, and it's really cool, especially with Johnny, because Johnny, really has this youthful approach to writing LA Guns music. Like he really like focuses on the energy of the first two records, you know? And so he always brings in a couple songs like that, that end up on the records. And, and they're, they've kind of traditionally, except this album, his songs have kind of been the, the singles, you know, like the, like Cannonball or Rage, which wasn't a single, but it was the first song that we would play live when that record came out. Real, real fast stuff. Um, but as far as that friction, there isn't any, you know, there's, there isn't because, because I, I very safely record the demo for Adam. Then Adam sends me the drums. Then I kind of re just redo some of the guitars to make it very basic. And then I send that to Mitch, you know, the basic bass drums and guitar, you know, without any Mellotron, without any, you know, little flowery bits without any of that stuff. So he can just really concentrate on his melodies. And then once he gets like a rough draft of the lyric and melody, then he'll send me just a, a vocal track. Um, and then I can start coloring around that, knowing what's going to happen. So like, you know, the system is just, is amazing. And you know, I rely so heavily on my brain for like, you know, what would Eddie Kramer do? What would Jimmy Page do? You know, what would Andy Johns do? What would, you know, to texturize 
these albums, you know, to make sure that there's dynamics all over the place that, you know, make it, make these albums like a classic rock format. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Rather than kind of going, this record needs to be hard hitting or this record needs to be soulful or this record needs to be bluesy. It's kind of goes up and down through the records. You know, it's like, Oh, I want to write something like seventies Aerosmith. So I just do, because I know, once Phil sings on it, it's going to sound like L.A. Guns. You know, oh, yeah. I want to sound, I want to write something like Satyricon. Okay, I can because Phil's going to sing on it. And it's right. going to sound like L.A. Guns. Right. So I really have that luxury. And I think L.A. Guns traditionally has made very confusing albums, and it's great. You know, so so I never have to focus on anything. You you mentioned uh, Andy Johns and, and Eddie Kramer, and you've worked with Andy Johns. And I know that you've produced the last four um, L.A. Guns records. Do you do that because you enjoy the craft of producing or is it more of an efficiency thing to keep things moving? It's, it's both, you know, the craft is, is amazing, you know, and I did spend a lot of time with Eddie Kramer at one point in my life, you know, when I was like 26 or 27, you know, we had lunch and, and he was working with LA guns for a bit. And then of course our drummer fired him because uh, who the fuck knows why? Um, uh, you know, so I got, and then of course worked with Andy on a few records, but those guys, they have the simplistic approach, you know, to where, um, parts are important. Every part is important. You know, every change is important. So all killer, no filler, you know, get rid of the stuff that just kind of rambles and, you know, Eddie Kramer, uh, really good at hitting tape. And Andy Johns is really good at compression. Those are those two guys really know how to make loud albums. You know, that was the thing that I really loved about talking to them. Well, you know, it should be really loud and then, then it should come way down and then it should be really loud and then it should come way down. You know, this kind of really black and white mentality and it, but it's really efficient. It's a lot like, like early hip hop and, and hardcore rap where you would have these huge drums you know, and some little piece of music that just kind of go riff bashing, but in a more digital format. Mm-hmm. Um, and that formula just proves, you know, that humans respond to big beats, you know what I mean? Big rhythms and sim- simple melodies and simple, you know, riffs or whatever you want to call them, pieces of music. So um, I always keep that in mind, you know, because I'm, I'm a lot like, like Jason, you know, we, we like rush, you know, we like stuff that moves and changes and stuff like that. But for LA guns, we're not progressive, you know? So, you know, I, I really pick and choose the parts, keep them tight, you know, make sure, you know, everybody can listen to it because then, you know, the problem is with someone like me, I always have to remind myself that 90% of the people listening to LA guns aren't musicians. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So they don't, so they don't give a shit. You know, they want an exciting guitar solo, you know, in a great song. That's where it ends. You know, right. it's simple. I think that, um, especially on the last four records, one of the things I've noticed is that it's exactly what you just said. You guys sort of, you know, LA Guns is known as a rock band and and some people would go so far as to box you into an 80s, you know, sleaze metal, hair metal band or whatever. But if yeah. you look at the last four records, 
um, I see, I hear songs like, uh, I loved let you down off the last record. I loved another season in hell off the devil. You know, these are songs that, uh, there's one on the new album called diamonds. These are songs that like kind of that step out of that box or that category. And, and, uh, and, but you pull it off. The album still sounds cohesive. And uh, I think it goes back to some of the stuff you were saying about the production qualities and not being afraid to, you know, take some chances as long as it's in the ballpark, but it can go all the way to the, to the, all the way to the wall, you know, (laughs) but as long as it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like I was saying earlier, traditionally, really since Hollywood vampires, our records have been, uh, you can either call them confusing or diverse. (laughs) I don't care. But, 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 but by, by all means, you know, being a, a hair metal band is a luxury at this point because, you know, we're kind of the living proof that a hair metal band can be very musical and very serious and still be a hair metal band. You know, I mean, that's that's what I love about it. You know, I, I don't mind the stigma. You know, it's never been an issue for me. Um, proudly, I would wear lipstick and, you know, uh, stiletto heels, but I'm 57, you know, now, now I look like a dad and my girlfriend doesn't want to go out with a guy that looks like a girl. So, you know, so <laughs> I think that's progress, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just progress. <laughs> it, it only took 35, 40 years, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Some of us used to dress like the girls we wanted to date. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I feel like as, as in as in the three of us. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, there's a psychosis. I feel a, a young male, uh, yeah. with lots of T testosterone is thinking yeah. like this subconsciously and they don't know it. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to go full on, uh, you know, uh, silence of the lambs here. <laughs> but you know why not <laughs> well you know I, I looking in the mirror and say i'd fuck me is kind that's of right just, you know i think that there's something about that but i don't want to get off track here i feel like what you're yeah. describing to like uh, to be honest i already already confessed i can't keep up la guns is, has so many records out now it's really hard for me uh, I'm trying to write my own shit and, and you guys yeah. are just, I'm just, you guys are just going around, Jason, hurry up. You know, here's LA guns around my head. I can't, you guys are fast. And the, yeah. the deal is, uh, I've only heard a couple of songs off the new record, but just you betray. Uh, I hear a lot of things. Yeah. I keep thinking Led Zeppelin. Of course. Yeah, because I feel like that's where this sort of like, why not? Why not sound? Oh, this is starting to sound like something. Why don't we just like cut our arms off and stop swimming and just just go, just let it be what it's trying to be. And I fucking mm-hmm. love that about that song. And I can't uh, not. It's crack. You know, that song is crack. It's like you put it on right. once. And you're like, wait a minute, let me, let me hear that again. And you yeah. turn it up really loud. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's the most addictive thing, that yeah. fucking song. It, it, and so it, it's unusual how it was written too, because Adam had this drum track he had made um, 
you know, he does a lot of television and stuff like that. So he just wanted to do this big John Bonham kind of thing, but he actually recorded, you know, three and a half minutes in an arrangement and he never used it. And he sends me the drum track when we're getting near finishing the album and goes, Hey, I have this drum track, you know, do you think you could do something with it? And he sent it to me and I'm like, Oh yeah, I could do something with this. I could rewrite immigrant song, you know, kind of mentality. (laughs) Right. And, 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 um, but, but I mean, truthfully, really, that's what I thought, you know, right when I heard it, um, because the, the beat is so similar. It's different, but it's real similar. And I just played that riff. It's kind of like a double immigrant song, you know, da, 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 da. you know, it's, it's the immigrant song is, uh, what is it? Uh, F sharp. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. this drum beat has an extra one of those beats in it. It's not that it's like something else. So then the nature was just, you know, that's how similar they are. I mean, it's like double immigrant. But it's also kind of like the Wanton song, and then that the the bridge. Yeah, that that's like backwards of shapes of things by the Yardbirds. Yeah, right. The ascent, so, yeah, the staircase. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So, so I have this drum track. I write that main riff, and I'm just like. Fuck. And the way that I record is I always record with a 60s guitar sound first, like a fuzz pedal through a clean amp. It's just nasty, right? Because I really like that garagey sound. And then I put my guitar sound on later. Um, so once I got past like the 60s version of it and I put my guitar sound on it, then I added a guitar with an octave pedal under it and then a fuzzy bass. It just came to life. It was like, okay, this doesn't sound like the Immigrant Song anymore. You know, yeah. now this sounds massive you know just like huge and at that point I, I couldn't stop listening to it so i was like fuck it we're just doing this i don't give a shit well it has the octaves like immigrant song or you know yeah 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 or it has that vibe which is that's right. the zeppelin funk that's the funk well the i mean house. that really invented disco didn't it i mean yeah. that's that's yeah. the precursor to disco well, it's it's definitely funk or soul because it's yeah. boogie, right? Well, right. you guys take it to where that's like this psychedelic thing in the way that you've layered uh, Phil's vocals, yeah. are very ambient and sort of backwards delay kind of a feel mm-hmm. where like, whoa, what? I, I, I could the wall is in front of my face, but my hand goes right through it. I can't. Right. I can't. A, a couple, a couple of people have mentioned, and even when the song was mixed and turned in, a couple of people weren't prepared for that vocal recording, right? And some people think it's a mistake, you know, like, like, hey, you guys did this weird thing in the vocal. It's like, yeah, we did, yeah. You, you know, you know. I mean, but that's the uh, that's the Nate. That's what the song it, it needed that it, it when. The vocal was dry. It, it just wasn't spooky enough, you know. Isn't it good? That's a good word. I like that word, spooky. Is isn't it the first song on the record? Yes, it is. Well, then yeah. people are just going to be like, "Hey, this is defective," or they're going to go, "God damn, this is fucking crazy." Yeah. The thing yeah. is, is is there's a. I, 
It might be just where he's kind of shouty sounding on you betray, you betray, where it's yeah. dry. Is that, am I right? right. Okay. Yeah, it, it does that's, bounce back. That's the difference between the ghosty kind of vocal and, and the swirly vocal or the like, how big is this room? I can't tell how big <laughs> this room is, right? To, right. to the like, he's going, you betray, you betray, where he Phil's voice is sitting right on your face. Oh, he's just screaming at you, man. Yeah, yeah. But there's it sounds completely dry. And so when that comes, when that came out of the speakers, I was like, oh shit. Like it's all, that was almost like uh punk rock or like for a second it went to like, I don't know, a, like a New York dolls album where there's almost no reverb on his voice right. at all or something weird like that. For right. just that for just that second as it, the bus is whizzing by your face. And yeah. I, 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 I like I like the production and I like how ballsy you guys are on trying new shit because that, you know, I, I won't speak for myself because I like trying new stuff, but I also, I know I'm going to sound kind of contradictory, but it can be scary to try yeah. something so different. Uh, but I guess where, where you and, and LA guns are concerned at this point, you really have nothing to lose, and it's admirable. Yeah, I think the the rule of thumb is always, you know, do you like it? You know, do yeah. I like it? Yeah. You know, does this does this get me excited? And that's all that matters. I mean, I really make yeah. records for me. You know, it's like you know, all my favorite yeah. bands are gone. You know, so so it's like I just write what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you know, You Betray obviously has a Zeppelin influence, but man, uh, Gonna Lose, I mean, that that's a huge Zeppelin sound and record and or song. And not just the guitar, like Phil's voice on that song is is Robert Plant to a T. It's crazy. That's, it's crazy. Like, like we, we, you know, I'm kind of snarky when it comes to Zeppelin. By the way, you know, he's singing my, his ass off on this record. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I'm hearing I'm hearing tones and voices I don't think I've ever I don't recall Phil sounding like that uh yeah you know in the past. No, you're you're right. You know, he he keeps developing, he keeps practicing, you know, he's you know, him and I are very uh interested in making music, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, he he when he comes up with new things, he, you know, I'm the first to know. He's like, he's like, oh man, check this out, you know. Because the last record, he recorded all the vocals himself um, with the direction of Mitch because we were in a lockdown. Mm -hmm. So he had built a vocal booth at his house and, and it was left up to him. During that period, being alone recording, he developed so many techniques and things, you know, on his own because no one was giving him guidance um, on a second by second basis. You know, he would have hours by himself before he would like, show something to Mitch or show something to me. And yeah, man, Phil is, you know, I couldn't do LA guns. You know, we don't, we're not LA guns without his presence. You know, I, that boy. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I also agree that, and I just raise the flag a second time here by yourself recording origin, your own emotional value, adding your own emotional value to an, an original song by yourself producing your own vocal i cut all my vocals in this room six feet from where i sit and nice. i've learned so much about and and can sing in voices that i didn't know i had 
Yeah, of course. As, as well as learning how to preserve my voice. Like, whoa, I shouldn't record that if I'm not going to be able to do it live. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of sort of mental exercise as well as physical discovery. Not masturbation, but physical <laughs> discovery it, within your within your instrument, uh, learning so much about when you're when you're recording by yourself. So I'm really happy that that Phil, uh, however long ago he got into it, I, I'm he, I'm glad that he finally did because that's when well, you're really going to learn a lot about what your voice can do. Well, he had a lot. Of, he has some experience um, because. When he wasn't in L.A. Guns years ago, he was working at Fox Sports uh, Audio Library, and he was an engineer. He was uh, an editor. Oh, and, he, he mentioned uh, that in our interview. He mentioned that. So, you know, so he wasn't completely in the dark about recording and editing and yeah. know, digital. Um, so... At this point in our, our career, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot more fun. And a lot more productive and very addictive. And we're, we're just, I feel like each record, we're getting a little bit better at it too, which is, uh, which is, which makes it fun, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that, and that, and that's down to Adam as well. Adam's getting a little bit better on each record of what he, his input. And I mean, the drum sound on the next two records coming out, this one and that Todd Kearns record. Like like David was saying, um, I'm gonna lose. That track is insane. It, it, it's Phil's voice and the riff and Adam's drums. Adam's like the MVP on the whole record. I mean, he does shit that if I could play drums, that would be the top. You know, like 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 whoa, wow! If I could play drums, that's exactly what I would do. You know, so. And I think that's why the record's really addictive because he found this soul groove throughout this record that makes it move. And there's a lot of variety. You know, there's some like real glammy kind of 70s stuff on there. Yeah. And there's the real heavy stuff, the real zeppy stuff. And then there's kind of like uh, the one you said, Diamonds, which is all over the place, yeah. you know? So it's, you know, it, 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 the bottom line is as long as it's fun, then we're going to be quick. Well, you're not gonna, afraid. You're not, af you're not afraid to experiment, and it also sounds like uh, you and Adam, especially, but of course Phil, uh, yeah. having this musical conversation that seems new, like you've learned, you finally learned how to speak French or something yeah. weird. You know, it's you guys true. are like finally, and you're having so much fun hanging out in France that you want all want to move there. Yeah. Uh, until you reach the gates of Valhalla, you know, or some shit. You guys have this like. Yeah. You know, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm at the gates of Valhalla. Yeah, in, you in are. <laughs> yeah, you and are. Now, I, was trying to make a, I was trying to make another Zeppelin uh, thing. Yeah. You did. That was very successful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Valhalla, I'm coming. Every time I fly in the fucking Copenhagen airport, it's like Valhalla. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But, and you're in, and you're in the city that spawned merciful fate. So bless you. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, um, down, you know, and it's funny because you know in Denmark, Danes are very proud of Denmark, and they're not competitive, right? They're not a competitive people, um, and they're so proud of 
bands like like King Diamond and uh, Disney After Dark, yeah. Uh, DAD. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm email friends with Jesper Binzer. What a cool guy, man. I love DAD, man. They're, that's, what a songwriter. What a songwriter. Holy. Incredible. And, and the production again. So Denmark um, actually pretty much invented uh, tape recorders and high quality production. And that's the crazy thing about it over there. All my friends that are in bands and, you know, have make recordings. I've never heard a bad Danish recording ever. Like, like those motherfuckers know exactly what they're doing. And everybody's music education is complete and free. You know, so if you decide to be a musician, well, you're going to go to music school, you know, conservatory, and you're going to know music. So the country supports the arts. No question. Big, big time, big time. And and it doesn't matter who you are. If you play in a public venue, you get two hundred and seventy nine dollars. You know, that's 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 the union bottom. Wow. Wow. So it's like everybody on stage gets two hundred seventy nine dollars. So know? you can it, be a professional musician just by playing a gig every night. That's right. You could play a gig at this wow. pub and that pub and down the street and sit in with yeah. da, 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 turn in your union card, whatever. And your bank is, you've got a bank. That's account. it. Unbelievable. That's, Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same um, in Australia. Um, Cause Orianti, she's been playing down there since she's like 14 hmm. and uh, she was in three cover bands and she got that kind of, you know, union wages starting at that age and she was buying you know amplifiers and so she lived at home obviously you know but she was making bucks you know and she knew she's smart and a lot of people in denmark same thing so it's like if you play in australia you're gonna get paid if you're playing in most parts of scandinavia you're getting paid you know um well no wonder no wonder there's this army of badass musicians from both yeah. of those uh, those scenes no. Oh yeah, I mean, wonder. look at look at Dragon, Helicopters, you know, Backyard Babies, um, Turbo Negro, um, King Diamond, um, Satyricon, um, so you know, DAD. You know, I mean, these bands, they're able to thrive because they don't have any resistance. They're not worried about, you know, oh man, you know, I can't spend ten grand on gear to put it in a five hundred dollar car to go to a fifty dollar gig. It's it's the opposite. It's like if I do ten gigs, then I can buy the amps that I really want and the guitars that I really want. And you know, it's just it's or build or build the studio that I need to make records and record all my friends' records, which in turn creates jobs for everybody else. And that's so how that's, that's how it's supposed to work. Ironically, well, King Diamond lives in Texas. So his time that makes sense. His time of the I'm just using the number you gave, $279 per show. He left that behind. He's an older gent. He's got it going on. I, I love yeah. the king. But the point, the point you're making is that's a beautiful, beautiful world. Again, one more point. Much like LA Guns, DAD has like two thousand albums out. Yeah, <laughs> records out, man. I can't keep up with them either. Yeah, but it, but in Scandinavia, you know, they headline huge festivals. I've seen like, you know, they're, yeah, they're they're big over there. Yeah, you know, um, they're they're like the Danish Aerosmith. 
You know what I mean? It's, and that's why Mike Tramp keeps going back because, you know, he has that, we call it a, a safety net over there, right? A safety net. So it's like Mike can go over there, throw a solo band together and just make bank. Wow. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's great. And, and, and that's not based on White Line. You know, that's based on other things he's done there. Um, he was in this band called Mabel in the late 70s that won Eurovision. Wow. And uh, they were kind of like a Bay City Rollers kind of thing. And, and you know, so like he's been, I know a lot about Danish culture, but Mike Tramp is a big part of, of, of rock music in Denmark, way aside from White Lion. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't even sound, it's only related by name and not even by what you're talking about. Wow. Exactly. A lot of what you're describing uh, is interesting because I don't know that a lot of American audiences understand that. One of my favorite oh, no. uh, bands is the Michael Monroe Band. And yeah. I feel like them, I feel like the Michael Monroe Band and L.A. Guns have been two, the two most consistent rock bands in the past five to eight years, whatever it's been. Maybe ten in the case of Michael Monroe. I would yeah. agree with that. And and like L.A. Guns, Michael Monroe's band does, you know, they take chances with the music. They'll add strings. They'll, you know, blow some harp, whatever. Yeah. Uh, slow song, fast song, punk rock song. But he he can't tour America because it makes no financial sense whatsoever because he'll he'll spend money to be here. Yeah. So as much as I want to see him, <laughs> I don't blame him one bit for not coming here. And what you're describing is a very uh, lucrative uh, marketplace overseas. Well, every, everything over there is based on a living wage, right? There's no minimum wage. So, like, if you're if you're a teenager and you're working at McDonald's in Aarhus, that's that's the city that I live in over there. Uh, you know, your 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 hourly wage is about twenty seven bucks an hour, and they take forty percent of that, you know, for the government, um, which makes sure that the country is, you know, there's not many homeless people go to the doctor for free. People go to school for free. Mm -hmm. Your streets don't have bumps in it, you know, all these kinds of things. So, you know, they pay infrastructure. Yeah. 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 So the infrastructure is amazing. Um, the, the, the people that are going to college, you know, out of high school, you know, wherever they're working, you know, their salaries are based upon their, 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 living situation you know it's like oh rent's 1200 a month okay well then you're going to make you know you're going to take home about 2800 bucks a month after taxes so they just have it figured out you know and so if you're a musician doesn't matter what you are let's say you're a sculptor let's say you're a plumber let's say you're a doctor all these things um you can work in the public sector and make the right amount of money there's not a lot of competition you know a public doctor might make, you know, 120 grand a year, but the janitor makes 90 grand a year. You know, it's not that far off. Right. And, but, but you're also, get this, this is pretty cool. Um, let's say you want to go private, right? You can start your own private business. And what's kind of great about it is if you're going to do a private business, the government will help you to start your business. And once the income comes in based on taxes, then you're completely private once you've paid them back. So there's a lot of support um, for people's interests um, and what they want to do, what their passion is. And there's a lot of journalists in Denmark, a lot of photojournalists, editors, translators, um, so many um, really but, high quality. What I love about that is that's, that's helping the art. That's like sprinkling 
That's like yeah. making the uh, uh, any kind of uh, create something from nothing or art fluff up, be shot all the time because of the journalist and the photojournalist yeah. uh, yeah. and and any in any like uh, fallback from that. Amazing, amazing. So I need, so, so I need to is. move, is what we're saying. Yeah, well, we need to. well, see, that's the hard part. <laughs> But, you know, but in the case of like, like you're saying, like with Mike Monroe not coming over here and uh, like Turbo Negro is a great example because they do come over here, but they only do four shows, right? They do Chicago, LA, Austin, I think, and somewhere else, maybe New York. And I was talking to, to Tom, the bass player years ago about it. He goes, he goes, yeah, it just doesn't make sense for us to tour over there. You know, he goes, we can get big bucks in these four places we go, we get the money, we go back. Right. Um, and it's like, I know Rose Tattoo, which is in a similar situation because they're Australian. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're finally coming here now. But they've been trying to get over here for a long time. Yeah, and, over 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough. It's it's hard to do it here, man. It really is. Yeah. They're on the, they're on the Monsters Cruise. Right. Uh, I just fingers crossed. Yeah, right, right. I, right. I don't know how much time we have with you today, Tracy, but I, I feel like we barely touched on the new record. Um, oh, we got time. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, you, you You mentioned something earlier. First of all, for my money, you're one of the, the great guitar heroes of the 1980s and beyond. I know people like to lump things into convenient boxes, but every time I hear credit, Tracy, every time I hear a discussion about guitar heroes from the eighties, I always hear George Lynch and Warren D Martini, and that's all fine and good. But for my money, yeah. you're my guy. So, and I know you're a Randy Rhodes guy and an Eddie Van Halen guy. So yeah. my question is when you're in the studio, how many takes do you do of a solo? Are you a guy that seeks perfection or do you value spontaneity and finally say after maybe five takes, I'm just going to pick the best one. Otherwise I'm going to, you know, over-examine this thing to death. It's really depends on the song, doesn't it? And you know, when we talk about eighties guitar heroes, I think that Warren and uh, George really define the sound you know what i mean like um that sound right whatever that sound is it's a sound um and it's a great sound you know so um for me like i'm just the best me right like like most of my shit comes from the 60s sounds like the 70s recorded like modern right so it's, it's an evolution um you know underrated is a strange thing to say from somebody that loves me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, he got so, you, Dave. He got you. He got yeah, me. So, so I don't think I'm underrated. I think, I think that, you know, we have our fan, our fan base based on a lot of psychological factors and, um, but yeah, I, I don't, feel underrated sometimes it's a little embarrassing to be honest it's like it's like yeah i know i can play a pentatonic scale you know what i mean um you know i, I mean you know i guess, I guess my point was just that when when people have the conversation that yeah your name is not mentioned in the same breath and i think that's criminal you know because i to yeah. me i think you're you're one of the best and i think what i like going back to your point i think george and d martini sort of um I, I view them 
now I'm not a guitar player. I'm just a listener, but to me, they're more, they're more rooted in the technicalities of it all. And, and you, I feel like you're a more of a bluesy, a little bit more punk rock. There's something darker and sleazier about your style of playing yeah, that I definitely. appreciate maybe more than the sterile noodly, noodly, noodly stuff, you know? Right. Right. And, and I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm a guitar player, right? So I know, you know, George and, and, and Warren are very Siamese twins, you know, like there's back then, you know, they really were doing something cool. Um, and what really defines them is their sound, you know, their sound is consistent. They don't fuck around. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, I sound like George. I sound like, you know, Warren where someone like me, you know, sometimes I sound like Carl Perkins, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Sometimes I sound like Johnny Thunder. Sometimes I sound like Randy. Sometimes I sound, you know, I mean, I used all my influences. Perfect. Yeah. You know, instead it. of, instead of focusing on this is my thing. I don't really, I don't really care so much about it. And I know what you mean in the conversation, but then there's always the asshole in the corner of the room. Crazy uh, guns, man. You guys are idiots. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, like, so th those are my people, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guys in the corner, they're like, you know what the fuck you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> I like yeah. those guys. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the work you did on the, the Randy Rhodes documentary. Um, yeah. I, I heard, uh, I think I read somewhere that slash was the, was the first guy that told you Randy Rhodes is going to be your new favorite guitar player. That's and right. That's, is wow. that right? Uh huh. Hold on. So, so slash turns you on to Randy Rhodes. Tell me about how that went. And then tell me about the first time you got to see Randy perform because of that recommendation and then segue into your, uh, recent narration of the documentary. All right. I never saw Randy play, which, ah, which sucks. Me which neither. Totally sucks. So me neither. I'm waiting outside, um, electronic shop class in, it was either seventh or eighth grade. I guess it was seventh, or, uh, tenth grade. And Slash comes right up to me. It's you know eight in the morning or whatever. And he's like, "Hey man, I'm like what? Oh, I saw a fucking Ozzy last night at the Forum, and uh, this guy Randy Rhodes. That's going to be your new favorite guitar player. He played like this, like you, instead of like this. You know, whatever. That's my best, you know, sixteen-year-old Slash voice. Sorry, pretty good. <laughs> and and uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Oh, cool, man. And I just thought he was tricking me because that's he was a prankster. Mm -hmm. And so, but he was serious. You know, he said, he goes, yeah, you, met, you know, the guy on the Starwood, you know, the picture of the blonde hair guy on the Starwood. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, quite right guy. And I'm like, and Ozzy played by himself. And he goes, yeah, he has a solo career. I didn't even know what a solo career was then. You know, I'm like, oh, so it wasn't Black Sabbath. That was kind of my thing. So I go surfing with my dad that weekend and crazy train came on the radio and I knew immediately, I knew that was who slash was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I became obsessed. You know, he was right. You know, like, like, Holy shit, this guy. Wow. You know, just, I never heard anything like it. And you know, I was such an Eddie Van Halen fan. Um, and this was so different. You know, a lot of people compare him to Eddie, but, He's not, you know, Randy was like, I don't guy. hear it. Yeah. I don't hear it. Yeah. I don't, I don't hear it either. You know, it was really, 
more of this Mick Ronson kind of mixed with Gary Moore, you know, uh, and then the, that live sound and the studio sound, you know, just like, you know, Randy's soul really comes through the guitar. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, I just spent my whole life obsessing over him the same way I do over Paige, you know, I mean, those two guys, it's just, there's so much mystery in the, in the sound. Right. So much mystery there. It's like, what is this? You know, I think Randy, um, might, you think Randy might be a little bit more neoclassical classical than Eddie. I don't think so. I, I, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you musically what's going on there. Um, Randy wrote from a major scale way of thinking, which it sounds really bizarre because that shit's so dark, right? It's so right. dark. Um, but within those modes of the major scale, he created that music, um, which a lot of times it is minor and, and you know, very, you know, neoclassical sound. Yeah, Sabbath is minor and, and Crazy Train is major until it gets to the F sharp pre-chorus. That's right. And that's when you right. think about that bass line, beep, 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 that's joy to the world. It is. That's yeah. Major. So, I mean, that's. You're absolutely right. And, yeah. you know, Richie Blackmore did the same shit, you know, um, in Deep Purple. And and it does come across as classical music. Now, the myth about Randy was that he was an accomplished classical uh, <clears throat> player, writer, composer. He was on his way there. But when he was doing the Aussie stuff, he was not there. He was pure Randy Rhodes in learning mode, stretching his knowledge to the max, you know, and creating atmosphere, um, which is why he's so fascinating. He's so young. You know, people forget that, no, he wasn't a 35-year-old accomplished musician yet. You know, he was, nice. he was 22 year old, 22 years old. Think about that for a minute, yeah. you know, and he gave guitar lessons. He took some lessons from some people at the Musonia, you know, the, the school, mm -hmm. but he, but he wasn't accomplished, you know, he wasn't, you know, which is great. You know, one of the things that Steve, I always says, you know, when he's giving advice is like, like, you don't need to know music, you know, if you can make happen what you hear in your head, that's all that counts. You know, it's, it's getting to what you're, what you hear, getting it here. That's all that matters. So get this. I'm hanging out with Brad Gillis. And, you know, I he always brings up all kinds of great stories. And, you know, he's, he's, he's such a fun guy to hang around with. But I asked the question. I'm like, okay, dude, you know, you had four days to learn all the, the Randy stuff, you know. So, you know, like, how did you know about, like, the you know, diminished – scales and you know, you know all this stuff and he just told me flat out he goes you know what i really don't know much about music or how scales work or anything like that he goes i just picked it out by ear i like you picked that out by ear you know like i can't i can't do that i've never been able to, i mean wow. you know i was 14 years old and i was still playing heartbreaker like this uh, what was i doing i remember slash laughing at me i was like like that oh yeah <laughs> right because that's just what it sounded like in my head for you're, some reason you're playing it percussively as much as a guesstimation yeah 
Right, right. Always, you know, so like even when I was learning Randy or learning Paige or Hendrix, you know, it's always my interpretation. You know, I don't have that ear that can pick out things exactly, you know, like that. And then I'm much better now because I do have a, a very big musical education now. So I know better, like, oh, wait, well, you can't do that. That's not right. <laughs> you know, uh, which helps. But um yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's it's all a mystery, and you know, guys like like Vi, who has this, he hears all the music in his head and composes it, then plays it. Like that fascinates me. Brad Gillis learning a whole Aussie set without having any knowledge of music that fascinates me. You know, I mean, there's just wizards all over the place. Yeah, These guys wizards when i was a kid if i may uh interrupt I'm, i apologize fellas but when i was a kid and and discovering my new favorite bands over and over and over um i thought they were magicians because yeah. my my goal quickly became i want to learn how they're doing that so it was a lot of you know needle moving needle jumping around the record with a bass in my hand just i didn't even know how to tune the fucking thing right so I was just that this big fat string sounds low and i hear and feel a low note but i don't know what that is i'm like 10 or 11 years old going well, i don't know what that i'm just going right. by what this guitar feels like in my hand and what i'm hearing and so i would just find the lowest note on the which is the big fat one right here yeah, uh, and I would tune it to the lowest note I'm hearing come out of the speaker. Okay, and I'd move around, and that's how I taught myself how to phonetically play along with all my records. And I got the moon tan that you see today from being inside, not outside, learning right. to play my Kiss, my Priest, my ACDC, and and it goes Elton John, Queen, whatever it was I was listening to all record after record after record my summers that's where, what my summers were and so well, you're a blues man right i mean you're a blues man that's you know that's every blues guitar player you know from the late 20s on that's exactly what they did you know they like we have no education we know nothing yeah. but i want to make this sound and you know the tunings are all crazy and you know the rhythms are all crazy and yeah. and everything's all over the place because it's pure feel it's pure motivation right it's like i want to play you know i want to play I, I feel a certain kind of energy when i play you know so it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you can satisfy your itch you know yeah, what i mean you're learning how to speak with it because you can't speak any other way so you're learning, that's right you're learning your language that uh, we, i was talking about it to someone earlier today if you hear a song, let's say you're not, you know, you just like, boom, birth, you walk out, you're, you're in the world. And all of a sudden you hear a song, that song is either going to be your language that you are, oh, I need to follow the light. Right. Or it's going to be something that's easy to fucking ignore because it's not right. your language. So it's I feel simple. like this is how you, this is how you are going to communicate the rest of your life. This is the things you're going to fall in love with every time you hear it. You know, the 500 millionth time you've heard Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, you're going to go, oh, my God. You, you, every time. Let's say you don't hear it for 25 years and all of a sudden it comes on. You know every word. You can air drum to it. You can be cut even though you hadn't. It's like time has not time stands still when it comes to something that speaks your language. It, it, it absolutely does. And that's the same with all our senses. 
Yeah. It's interesting that it's it's interesting what you said uh, about getting what's in your head out on onto the fretboard or whatever your instrument of choice might be. I, I interviewed Eddie Van Halen one time and he said almost verbatim, almost quoted what you just said. He said, really? if I can't, all I'm trying to do is get what's in my head out on the fretboard. And it was, I thought right. it was really interesting coming from a guy that's as, you know, celebrated and technical as he is, of course, that it was all still boiled down to like gut instinct. Yeah, you know, the, 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 the funny thing about that word technical is, is almost insulting to guitarists because, you know, there are insane technical players, right? Guys that go from mode to mode to mode to mode to mode to mode, sweeping through these things that are very technical, meaning that they're, they're very athletic and very practiced and very disciplined and these kind of things, you know. Um, which maybe Vi can almost be in, in that category, but not really because it's all about here, right? Mm -hmm. So Vi's there. When you like Django Reinhardt, man, this motherfucker with two fucking fingers flying all over the fretboard. It's like people say he's the most technical jazz player of all time. You know, that's bullshit, man. The guy fucking was amazing unique rogue artist that wanted to do drugs and have sex and spend all his money on his friends and just be a cool dude, you know? And I've always associated with the guitar or any instrument as more of that, you know, it's like, it should enhance your personality. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's been said that, you know, you can really tell how somebody has sex by the way they play their instrument, you know? So like, you know, <laughs> I watch Instagram a lot, you know, I'm just like, damn, you know, oh, wow, you know, ah, you know, geez, really, ah, you know, because someone planted that in my head a long time ago. <laughs> um, so, you know, so just, it's a lot cooler to be, to be cool than to be great. Yeah, yeah. I, I see <laughs> what you're better. saying. I see what you're saying. The, the word technical almost implies that you're diminishing the heart and the feel. Right. It's like it's too studied and mechanical right. versus. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. Well, like, like, let's let's look at Eddie Van Halen really quick for an example cool. of tech. If he was technical, that means he'd be playing in the box. That means he'd be playing what's laid out there, you know, in your minor scales and your major scales and like, oh, oh, yeah, it's correct. It's correct. It's correct. It's correct. Eddie did anything but correct. You know what I mean? He he did Eddie correct. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. like, whoa, dude, like, like, wow. I mean, sometimes this shit is so fucking gnarly, especially with a guy with an ear like mine who can't really figure other people's stuff out. I don't know what planet that guy came from sometimes. It's like, whoa, you know, like it's anything but technical, really. Yeah. And then look at Tom Morello, right? Like the guy is just a fearless, you know, soundscape guy yeah. without doing overdubs. You know what I mean? Like he wants to do it here now. You know, he wants to make sound and noise and UFOs and little guitar solos and big rhythms. And, you know, it's really the uniqueness of the of the brain that makes a hero a hero you know it, it's what they're doing it's like you know page's thing was taking something blatantly from somebody else but making it so much more palatable you know making it so much uh more exciting or defining something else you know and he and he gets a lot of shit for stealing but 
you know, really, there's only seven notes, man. You know, I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you know, all the people that are, are mad at Jimmy Page because he stole the, the, well, the put your Zeppelin records away. I dare you. You know, I fucking dare you to just make a, a mixtape of all the original versions of those songs from the original artists. I guarantee you won't listen to that mixtape very long. Well, the yeah. Beatles, the Beatles stole as well. So they did. And they, came, yeah. they came from a fascinating point of view. Um, I was listening to Paul McCartney talk about that. And like from his point, you know, the Brits, Brits at that age had grown up with families that got together on weekends and had traditional, you know, music time, you know, playing within the family. Right. You know, a lot of Christmas songs, let's call them. Sure. Um, so for me and the Beatles, knowing that, you know, I can really identify, you know, these like D seven, it's like the Christmas chord, you know, and they use it a lot in Beatles music and those arrangements are very old world traditional arranging. And then you have George Martin, who's just like, you know, brilliant master of arrangement and strings and, you know, the quirky instrument kind of thing like that, that, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, listen to, you know, uh, any Christmas song, then listen to the Beatles version that kind of it took it from, you're going to listen to the Beatles song a million times more than you're going to listen to the original mm-hmm. fucking traditional song. Yeah. So that's really what, it, what I feel that, you know, making progress in music is, is not being scared of all your influences and using all your influences yeah. rather than, you know, making the statement of, no, I'm unique. I mean, cause if like, electric guitar player walked in, never listened to fucking music and just did his own thing. None of us could relate to it. Nobody could relate to it because it's not familiar. Yeah. You know, that's, and and, and the bottom line is we're all trying to sell records. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to lie to myself and be like, Oh man, I got to be this fucking, you know, rogue guy. And I'm going to fucking play dissonant. I'm going to do all this weird shit because it's like, no, I want people to like my songs. man. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, you want to you want it to be moving in in the right ways without it being uh, you know overly something that's not who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hey man, it's it's really it, it whether we're going to tie this up soon or not. I just want to take the time right now to say this has been really awesome just hanging out with you. It's been a long time since I actually got to converse with you and just talk about yeah. music with you, so I'm I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Me too, I, brother. I just wanted to tell you that, man. I've got like three pages of notes here that we're not going to get to today. We, but we, need I to, did, we need to do a part two. I, I, I did want to ask you, since we have you today, um, I want to ask you about your appearance in the Michael Jackson video. Oh, the Beat It video? Yeah. So, so you're in the Beat It video, and I uh-huh. watched it again today looking for you. And obviously, you're, you know, you're a teenager at that time. Uh, uh-huh. So tell me, how did that day, describe that day for me, and then tell me, can we see you in the video? Like, are yeah, you, you can see me. Who, who are we looking for when we watch the video? A little, a, a little skinny guy with blue jeans, black leather jacket, blonde hair, headband, but not the main dancer. See, the main dancer fits that description. A lot of people 
think, oh, that's him. It's like, no, because I was an extra dancer. I wasn't a main dancer. Okay. So um, I think I always tell people, you could really see me, a pickup truck pulls up and I run around the truck and get in the truck. Okay. So like that's, that's, that's the, if you need to see me, that's the best chance. It's like, like, cause it's like almost two seconds long. Um, but no, it was two days shoot in downtown LA and it came through an extra agency. You know, we all used to do extra work on, you know, TV and movies and shit. So I got that and it was crazy because I kept wondering those two days, is Eddie Van Halen going to do the solo? You know, is Eddie Van Halen going to show up and play the solo? But he never did, you know, but it was cool, man. You know, I made 1200 bucks too. Nice. <laughs> wow. And, and of course at that time you had no idea that that video was going to be so iconic and, and that song was going to, you know, live forever. And I, I just think it's cool that you're a, a part of that. Me too. That's Me too. Amazing. It's, That's it's amazing. funny how, it's funny how life leads because, um, you know, uh, we can talk about that later. No, tell yeah. me. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more associated with Michael Jackson right now. <laughs> or one degree closer. Oh, yeah. I, I Yes. Your personal life. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you, I did this with Ace Von Johnson when we had him on the show recently, and I wanted to do the same with you. A uh, uh, couple quick questions. Uh, I give you a choice. You have to pick one and no explanation required. So here it goes. Uh, albums, uh, self-titled Van Halen or Blizzard of Oz. <laughs> that's not fair. Yeah, I mean, but really, bull, I mean, that's a bullshit question. Man. That's why I yeah, do that's it. That's a bullshit question. Man. <laughs> um, oh, then you'll hate you know, me. If I answer that, I feel like, I want to rot in hell, so I'm just not going. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not well, answering no, that. No, because because hell. Let me introduce you to hell. David's question he just asked you. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. You, then you, then you'll hate the next one. Wasp okay. self titled or too fast for love? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I might have I to guess take, you, I guess I you might, know I, me. I, I know you're asking Tracy, but yeah, I, might, I, know. I, would lean, I, I would lean towards, well, I know what I would say. What's what Tracy? would you say? Wasp. Because it's heavier, right? It's, well, it's, it's, it's not the same thing, but the cool thing is, is that it's related in some ways because I love the, I love yeah. the kind of like punk thing that's happening on that on that first yeah. motley yeah that wasp record is like if motorhead went glam or if like yeah if venom, yeah, if venom if venom or something like learned how to play a little bit better in 1982 you know yeah that's a that's a tough one but but in my case when i look at what in i mean they both influenced me probably equally but i think the first two motley crew records are so much more important in my life wow. than okay. than the than the first two Wasp records, but it's very close, man. I mean, those, especially the first Wasp records. Wow, yeah. I, I used to hear Axel singing to that in the shower. Wow, Oof. you know what I mean? Wow. Like that's, so that's, so wait a minute, yeah, you, yeah. you used to hear Axel singing the first Wasp record? Oh yeah, in the shower, Dave. In, in the, the shower. shower. In the oh, shower. Wow. Like, like we were in. Like we were into it, man. That's the best thing I'm going to hear all day. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, at the time, it was just, 
a no brainer. It's like, well, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. Like, but now I think about it, like, yeah, you know, yeah. walk down the hall and hear Axel in the shower with Wasp on singing along. Yeah. That was my normal life. Like great, <laughs> probably a great warm up. That was just a regular yeah. Tuesday morning, right? Yeah, yeah, really, really. How weird is that? Have you Great. ever uh, have you ever got to meet Jimmy Page? No. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But not not meet him. Meet him. Um, he was in playing L.A. with the firm oh, at the wow. Forum, and my mom went to the Forum, and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to the Rainbow because I know Jimmy Page likes to hang out at the Rainbow. Uh-huh. So I was 16 or 17, um, going to the Rainbow all the time. Anyways, so I'm sitting in the back table with some friends and you know leather jacket big hair lipstick stiletto heels that part of my life sure enough here comes jimmy page you know i see him coming near the fireplace with two chicks yes walking down i get right up i walk up to him and i'm like like hey man you have no idea who i am but if it wasn't for you i wouldn't be playing guitar and he just looks right at me he goes yeah and walked right by me that was my meeting with jimmy page <laughs> What a hero. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's classic. Well, it's, you know, he, it, he, he had other things on his mind. Yeah, yeah. he sure did. Yeah. yeah. That's not Apparently. your fault, buddy. It's, well, uh, Tracy, uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, I've wanted you on the show for two years now, and uh, I am uh, love the last uh, four albums you've done now. We're up to four. I think you guys have been super prolific. You've put out quality stuff. I've seen you every time you've come through Texas on these various tours. Always one of my must-be-at-the-show gigs. And uh, I look forward to more, a tour on the uh, Black Diamonds album. Uh, oh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, but be, care- be careful if we're playing an outdoor venue in summer there. Because you I, might not well, see, I might be in a bathroom somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So when you play, <laughs> <laughs> when you I were. I don't blame you. When you came through Texas last time, you did, You did. I guess it was Dallas, you had to do the show yeah. from, you were isolated in a bathroom, and the uh-huh. very next day, you were scheduled to play Austin, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I, it's going to be even hotter in Austin, I hope he's going to show up, and I hope he's going to play on stage, and to your credit, you did. I was stoked to see you on stage more so than ever, because yeah. 24 hours ago, it didn't look good. <laughs> Well, I I did see a specialist about that since then. And unfortunately, my brain can't regulate heat or, you know, extreme heat and extreme cold. So it's, it's, it's a good chance that, you know, I couldn't survive that at some point. Wow. So so it's just, well, just, I got to be really careful. Yeah. Be careful and, and, uh, you know, get, I'm not saying get a doctor's note, but take, take care of, uh, listen to what the doctors are saying because yeah, help they're, first, they're, going, they're going in their office and, and Googling it just like you are. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make you feel better. But, but at the but at the same time, the condition I've I've heard of the condition before. I have no idea what it's called. You don't need to give us the medical term, but yeah, your if your brain is not uh, looking at that, that's as uh, that's as real as epilepsy in my in my mind. So please be careful. Is, take care of yourself. It's a uh, it's a. Uh, I used to think it was a psychological thing, but it's a physical thing, and um, it is what it is, man. 
Yeah. Well, route route your summer dates uh, to indoor venues as much as possible, because I'll tell you, That's as it. much as you hate it, so do we out in the audience. Right, 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 out there. right. They can roll. They can I roll. know. I was, we, at that Austin gig, um, which we figured out some kind of weird contraption, uh, I was watching the crowd, and the crowd was not comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it was 100 degrees that day. It was brutal, man. <laughs> yeah. So brutal. Yeah. But whatever. Whatever. Yeah, they need to, you need to come up with a, like a boy in the bubble type thing, like an air conditioned, like glass <laughs> yes. jar. The just like they roll you out and you go, all right, I got my in ears. I'm fine. I can hear my, I can hear what's going on with enough room for you to rock around in, you know? Very spinal tap, right? Yeah, yes, it'd be cool exactly. if, if Phil had one and it's like if, if Ace had one. You guys just roll them out. All right. One, two, three. Oh, well, yeah, but you, know, but, but, but you know who I'm really jealous of? Like we do shows where it's, you know, 100 degrees, let's say. And there's Johnny stage right with a leather jacket on. I know. For an hour. I'm just like. How the fuck do you do that, man? Like, what well, the he, fuck? see, he's the opposite. His he doesn't yeah. feel he doesn't feel any he doesn't feel heat or cold or anything. He just feels the power of rock. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm so jealous of that. Yeah. Well, Tracy, thank you for joining us today. Congratulations on a great new album. It's called Thanks, Black buddy. Diamonds. It comes out April 14th. Look for it. Uh, look for LA Guns on tour in 2023 at some point. Um, yeah. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our very special guest today, Tracy Guns on the Talk Louder podcast. Woohoo!